you make a promise for the future and and you have to believe the promise of the whole thing we promise you as a company a better future with this portfolio compared to that portfolio or that portfolio or that portfolio and now i hope that that i make clear that the portfolio as a whole is an object Welcome to Innovation Talks. Join us weekly as we discuss with distinguished industry guests how to refine and improve corporate innovation and new product development. Hosted by Paul Heller, Sofian Chief Evangelist. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Glad you joined me again. Hope, hope you're having a great week out there. My guest today is Hoob Bruton, and Hoob has been on several times. He's a colleague of mine. He's a founder of Sofion, and he works with a lot of companies, especially at the executive level across a variety of topics around innovation. And he recently created a course on portfolio management that's very in-depth, very thorough. It's really a good course. And he's agreed to come on to our podcast. We're actually going to do this in two parts. We're going to try to, because it's quite a, quite a, Big topic. We're going to cover this in two parts. So today we'll start with part one, and then in the next episode we'll we'll finish up. But we're going to talk about those major themes, those major parts of of portfolio management. So, Hoob, welcome to the show. Happy to be here, Paul. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, yeah. Before we go much too far, I mentioned you'd created this course. What's the reaction been? The reaction was, in fact, very very positive and. The trainees were um, portfolio managers, and one of the learnings I also learned during the course, of course, so it was quite uh, in-depth for sure, but one of the things that I learned during the course, and this is also one of the, the topics of, of today, is that it's not so obvious for people to look at the portfolio as an object in itself. So they look at a portfolio as a collection of things, a collection of products or a collection of projects, but not at each of these products, new products and projects. They have values and business case calculations and risks and what have you. But the portfolio as a whole, looking at that, that was, I think, for, for many of them, an eye-opener. And I believe in many of the customers that I have, it is the same issue. And I think it is worthwhile to spend time on innovation portfolio management, where we have that as an object in itself, because I'm convinced that the whole is greater than the parts and it is different than the parts. And that is what, what I would like to discuss with you today. Yeah, that's going to be fun. You know, a lot, a lot of people are still thinking of portfolio as a report. And it's so far to be really get the value out of your investments in innovation, you need to think differently, so. It's a completely different lexicon. It is a completely different uh, world yeah. you are in. And perhaps as introduction, suppose that you would like to buy a company and then you have to do due diligence on that company. And you are asked to evaluate the promising quality of the innovation portfolio of that company. If you come from that direction, which is an executive question, of course, which is an investor question, then you have to look at that portfolio 
as an object in itself, as a business object in itself. And already this sounds a little bit abstract, I know, but you have to look at it that it is something which has content, of course, there's all kinds of characteristics, but you have to look at it as a whole. And your investor will ask you when you come back and they say, okay, what is your SWOT analysis of this thing? What, how strong is it? The promises of it, are they really the promises we are going after? Does it fit in our area? When you think about that, then it is more easy to think about portfolio management and a portfolio, an innovation portfolio, as an object in itself. Great. Well, why don't we start, Hoop, just, just kind of maybe take us through some of the key fundamental parts to uh, portfolio, innovation portfolio management. Yeah, I, I think to make it to make it easy, you have to separate almost the front-end portfolio from, I call it now the back-end portfolio. What I mean is the realization portfolio, what you realize and ends up immediately in the launch and in the sales catalog and all that. The front-end portfolio has a distance from that in general. For instance, in the chemical industry, they have people whose task it is to create new IP. And they don't think about a product or something immediately. They think about IP. And what they do with it, that is a different story. And, and there's almost like a process in its own to have applications for, for patents. And some of them, they have a goal. We want to have at least 300 patent applications in every year. And that is a goal in itself. It has nothing to do. It's, it's part of an innovation portfolio, but far away from from the market in, ge in general. Uh, you also you also have in, in in the front end most of the companies that I know they spend ninety percent of their money on in the front end on the development of new features, new technologies. They end up in the end in a product, but they are not a product. And this feature development, this prototyping of it. The testing of it, it's not idea management, it's really engineering comes comes to it. And in many of these companies, when it is new processes that you do, new products is what you do, platforms and the technologies that you develop, the features that you develop, they take 90% in general of the front-end money. Okay. And they and they are not products. So you have to look at the portfolio of that. That innovation portfolio is is uh, cannot have the same, let's say, parameters to evaluate than the realization portfolio, mm -hmm. where it comes to getting things to the market and into the sales catalog. That's why I think it is important to distinguish those two in our in our talks. Yeah. So that front end. It could be research. It could, could ideas are in there somewhere, but it's people think front end of innovation. They think of ideas. That's not, that's not right. It's, there's concepts, there's features. There's actually in your mind, feature development. You're actually creating, whether it be a prototype or, or full completion of a feature, right? That's, that's front end. The full, a full completion is, uh, is, is seldom, but not 90%. You have to develop it in such a way that you, that it is mature enough that you know what, what it takes to build it in into one or new uh, other products. Because okay. in practice, most of the features go in multiple products and not in one product. So what's an example of a feature? 
Tell us what, you know, if you're in software development, it means one thing. If you're in physical product development, it means something different. So what's a feature? A feature, let me take a washing machine. Everybody knows what a washing machine is. A new opening type for a washing machine. The, the, where you put the clothing in. It's a feature. Okay. And in the end, it has, it, when you manufacture it, it has many components. It's not one component. It has many components. It touches on many components. But the feature is then for the user, how you can open it, how safe it is, how you, what you can put in, and whether you can see it or not, uh, it will be hot or not, and all, all, these, all these things. That is a new feature. And when you do a new feature like that, you can do that for not only is one type of washing machine. It will go through whole series and variants of washing machines. And the opening is all also used in other things where you have openings, other products. So that would be a typical thing for a feature. Another nice example would be a filter, a filter to take out microplastics from water. Everywhere in the machinery where you have water, you can use such a filter. And that filter then is, is, is a feature from a product management perspective, from a buyer perspective, and it is a component, probably more than one component on the manufacturing side. That is, I think, feature. A feature in your car is when you use, want to put the lighting onto the left or the right, you go to the right, you click it up. Yeah, that is a, the way you do that is a feature. Yeah. Okay. So, so some people might use the word component. Probably depends on the industry, right? If you're in, if you're in chemical, there's something analogous. It's probably your, your, your capability to actually uh, create the chemical, right? Or the the whole platforms that you have. Those those are also front end type things, right? Yeah, that is what 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 is called. Uh, so the process technology sometimes is developed yeah. like that. Platforms are developed like that, but just to, just to illustrate this difference between component, component and, and feature. When you, when you in your car, you, you take the light, the lighter, you go to the left, to the, in French is the clignoteur. The directional. Exactly, yeah. directional. How many components in your car play a role to do that? Oh gosh, yeah. A modern car I mean? or an older car? It is one, yeah. it is only one feature. Okay. So that's your definition of feature versus component. The feature will have componentry in it. Okay, good. It's important. Language is important, as you yeah, know, absolutely. right? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So when you, when you look at that, suppose take that scenario where you have to do due diligence on a company. Yeah. Then, and you would look at, at that entire portfolio. Entire portfolio will have a pipeline value. That means it promises revenue as a whole, as a whole. There are parts in it that perhaps are loss making, but there are parts in it, they are profit making. And you have to compensate, of course, for that. I don't know any company that does not have loss making products in its portfolio, and they have it there for a reason. So the pipeline value as a whole is more relevant to the company and to you for doing the due diligence than the individual things. So the one is loss making, the one everything has a value in itself, but pipeline value is there. And from a company perspective, the pipeline value of your portfolio, the revenue value, you also have margins values and all that, but as a whole, 
it has to promise enough new revenue. So to calculate, say, to define what that pipeline value is, you have to agree in the company a conversion rate for what the conversion is normally between your innovation pipeline and how much money and revenue you make over the years from these new products. If your conversion rate is 1 on 10, it's not the same as 1 on 20 or 1 on 100. So the target that, that the portfolio as a whole gets depends very much on the belief that the company has in the conversion ratio, the conversion capacity that you have to convert new stuff into real revenue. And it is never one-on-one -on -one, and you can have surprises. But the companies have different history and skills. For instance, suppose you develop a fantastic new product, right? But the launch capacity that you have is not so good. That influences then the result of that. Seen this many times, yeah. See this many times. That's why launching has to be part of the development process. Yeah. But you can see that the promises that you have, because innovation management is about making promises, right? Yeah. You make a promise for the future. And, and you have to believe the promise of the whole thing. We promise you as a company a better future with this portfolio compared to that portfolio or that portfolio or that portfolio. And now I hope that, that I make clear that the portfolio as a whole is an object. Now, when you think about putting value on the realization portfolio, I think that's something we're, we're always comfortable with. We can estimate because we know what the product is. We can estimate a value, whether it be revenue or, or some other statement of value. We can estimate that. We can talk about that. We can make decisions around that. What about the front end? I mean, is, how do you establish the value of a front end? Exactly. So, so my opinion, don't do it. Okay. Simply don't do it because it is always wrong and it yeah. is very wrong. So when you have a good front end, at the end of that front end, you will have in agile terms, you would have a backlog of, of capacities and options that you have developed in that front end that you can start realizing and bringing to the market. At that point, you know the cost of it. You know the capacities of it. You have more certainty. So the front end is uncertain. That's why you do research. That's why you try. The realization side is more certain. Make, then it makes more sense to do a business case calculation makes more sense to know what the need is of the market at that point, because there is also time difference. Some of these inventions are 20 years before the, the market. In the meantime, we have already four or five crises, you know, so <laughs> right. it, makes, it makes no sense to do a business case calculation. But you do, you do have to fund it. Otherwise you'll never have anything candidates to realize, right? Yeah. So what at a high level? We have this front-end portfolio and it gets funding and we have to have confidence in it. And the way we get confidence in it is because it meets certain strategies that we have. And the strategies can even be far, far away, but is a strategy. We need this knowledge base, basically. Companies know that the front-end is a very important knowledge base. Many of the best people of the front-end are also active in the back-end. The chief engineers of the front end are also the chief engineers. So they take that knowledge with them and they know what they have to develop. So 
should not be so that what the front end is, that you, then you have a canyon between the front end. If you don't have a rationale to spend resources on, on topic, a subject, if you don't have that, if you don't have a rationale to take that uncertainty and try to get it, get it on the table in a certain way, then you don't do it. So the reason for funding is not so much a business case calculation for a new product. It's, it's not that. And if it is that, that is what you can read in every book. The, most of the business case calculations in StageGate are absolutely wrong and will mostly be wrong because they start too early. In the end, when you go to the more end of the process and sales gets involved and all that, you know, then we get more serious about the business case calculations. Yeah. I remember when in the early days of Agile and, and, and people trying to look at governance on Agile, it was clear, huge pushback of, you know, you're trying to get the business case too early. So that is, that is a recurring theme in many ways. So it's interesting to hear you say that. We had this pipeline value thing, right? So that yeah. you say it is a business object in it, in its in its own. What I also learned is that portfolio management and the way you um, the way you uh, organize the portfolios is mean to transform companies as a transformation tool. And the best example that I can give you is from the automotive industry. So in the automotive industry, you have companies that su supply to the automotive industry all kinds of tooling, test, test tooling, and what have you. And the automotive industry changes from fossil into electrical. So as a supplier, you also have to make that change. So you, so you go from fossil, very mechanical, also more and more to electrical and so more software oriented. So now suppose you have a certain revenue, you have a certain investment power. Suppose you have a portfolio. The portfolio has targets and buckets of FTEs. That portfolio, you make a plan for it for mostly three years. You so have three years and they are rolling three years. What you then say is, okay, in year one, so much of the resources go in that new direction. In year two, 20% more go in that direction. And in year three, 70% more go in that direction. Yeah. And, we take and you're managing it. And we take the FTEs away from the classical things. Yeah. You change it from, let's say, mechanical to digital, from fossil to electrical. And, so, and you do that by, um, in fact, quite strict portfolio management. You don't do that project by project or product by product. No, yeah, right. You can't. Yeah. So, so, and then if you go to the front end and the back end, if you would have that, you would, you would put your front end as early as possible into that new direction, which they mostly want to do, by the way. But that doesn't mean that the development side on the realization side can follow immediately because you have your, your plans, you have your, your instruments, you have everything is there. So, so you have to make sure that what they do at the front end is implementable in that back end to make that change. So that means, that means you have the front end portfolio then, which is a bit more aggressive 
into the new direction, then the realization portfolio is a little bit slower to that run, but it cannot be quicker. And they have to make sure that we still make that revenue. Now you see a little bit why you have to look at this portfolio level to what is this? This is not project by project or whatever. This is really looking at the, at the value of that portfolio. And that thinking, that thinking, that portfolio management is a tool for change, a tool for transformation, a tool for modernization for a company. That I think is, is a very important to understand and companies will be more and more mature in, in this, this way. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking of the the old tried and true <laughs> historical ways of, you know, thinking about things. You've got strategies, you've got targets, you've got buckets, you've got you know, these different things. And then you've kind of got that layering there. And then you have, but I think the the overall strategy, especially your example of automotive, it kind of is, um, has to be at the top. In other words, strategically, we know that Here's how we're going to participate in the electric electric vehicle versus the you know historical vehicle, right? From a strategy standpoint, you have to have that really at top of mind, don't you? Yeah, and what what, what companies sometimes struggle with is to is to to put a transformation in place. And if if you if you not if you don't have a mature portfolio management idea what that is and how you do it and how you govern it and how you what have you then you can't you can't change quick enough you can't you can't do that because people on the shop floor will will be they'll be separated from that you know because if you go project by project one thing is sure you will never change because because the people they they do what they like to do and and so so it might be by accident and that is one of the reasons i think that companies have difficulty one of the missing missing points in many companies is that they don't know how to manage the portfolios, how to make them conditional. And the leaders, the portfolio leader, in fact, you know, and now we talk about already governance. And next time we talk a little bit more about that, the portfolio leader is the one who has to make sure that the balance in that portfolio over the three years, not the balance is not a static thing. The balance has to develop over three years in a certain direction at the content level. So not so much at the, okay, is, there, is this less risky or do we have enough revenue or do, do we, the probability of success and all that, that is more, I would say, that is in the school. That's, that's not in practice. In practice, you don't you see that. In practice, it is more like this technology compared to that technology. So I want to drill into this a little bit more, Hoop, because I know you and I've talked about this, theory versus practice, right? You've pointed out that there's a lot of theory out there that is wrong or cannot be put into practice. Or if it was put into practice, it would be a disaster, right? In general, it makes sense. It does. Don't say that the theory does not make sense. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody should look at it already to learn from it. But my experience is different, very different. And perhaps also over the last five years with the crises that we had. So crisis is continuous. So if crisis is continuous, your parameters, the parameters that you, that you, and the factors that are important for you are not the same as in the books. So in the books, you think, oh, portfolio management, uh, the balance of the portfolio management, do we have enough 
for the long term versus the, the, the short term. Do we have enough new versus old? New for us, new to the world, or what have you? I think, personally, those are more romantic criteria. If we go in the real stuff, it, it is not ease of manufacturing. This can we man, man, manufacture it with the tools that we have, for the cost that we have, with the suppliers that we have, and so on. That. And that's not a scorecard. It's more. We are at the point of closing a plant. If you have new products for me for, to produce, I can keep it open. Forget all the rest. Then if production comes in with this kind of, of demands, you know, the portfolio has to, has to listen. The realization portfolio has to be... Consider, it has to consider that, yes. Yeah. No, no, sure. There's no considering it. It has to. It will be in order. It will be in order, right? So just, you have to evaluate your portfolio as a whole. And the portfolio has to transform the company. At the same time, the portfolio has to serve new products coming into the market because we need to sell it. And sometimes there's an urgent need for that. And then that's that's why where the theory books are not... not they, they don't help you with that. Another thing is that in the theory books, if you go, you have all kinds of parameters that in practice are not there. So when you talk about, you don't know about the risk. Is this risky? And it gets a score. It is about what kind of risk is it? And can we manage that risk? For instance, today, the risk of suppliers the risk of getting the chips in time, the risks of, uh, and, and so on. So in the scorecard, if you wish you, and it cannot be a scorecard, you would have the risk of getting out chips, not is it risky. Right, yeah. You need to qualify the risk, yeah. Farming. So if we talk about in the chemical sector, is it this formula or that formula? And then we say, don't say, is it sustainable at a very high level? No, we, we talk about the technology. How much energy? Yeah. Yeah. And the technology itself. So this type of technology is at the left side, this technology is on the right side, and then you have the names of the technology. So it is more concrete, deeper, because these, most of these companies in the end, companies that make something, they are engineering companies in the end. And it's about stuff. If you go to banking or insurance, that is different. But, but if you go in, in a lot of the markets where we are, that is very concrete. And, and, and I think that portfolio management has to be able to, to combine this level of concrete decision-making, very concrete. It's not project by project at the portfolio level. Do we go in this type of technology or going to in that type of technology over the coming three years? If you combine that with the, with the well-being of the company and then the front end and the back end, that is fascinating subject for. Well, I think this is a great place to, to stop our part one and we'll pick up in part two, from where we are here, because now we can get into some some additional fun things about, well, how do you do some of this stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, good. All right, Hoop. Well, that was fun. Thank you for joining me on that and sharing your You're your welcome. Thank you. It's good stuff. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope you enjoyed part one. And please join us in part two, which is coming up, because I think you'll, uh, you'll like how Hoop frames, what do you do with this? How do you do it? So... Until, uh, until next time, take care, everybody. Have a great week. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us this week for Innovation Talks with Paul Heller. 
If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For additional information on today's topic, check out sophion.com, S-O-P-H-E-O-N.com, where you will find plenty of innovation-centric content and corporate best practices. If you'd like to discuss anything with Paul or would like to get in touch with the show, email us at talks at sophion.com.